title of this message this morning is, uh, is, are you a team player? You know, that's the thing about when God speaks to our hearts and messages. As far as I'm concerned, when God brings us together to this, whoever's preaching up here doesn't matter. But that message is specifically for you and for me as well. I know there are people all around us, but nonetheless, it, God is, is speaking to, to each one of us. It's like just, just we're alone here with him and, and just us. So this morning, I, I, want, you to, I want you to picture yourself uh, in a ball game, baseball game. It's probably the most important game of the season for your team. And I know when I, you see this bat in my hand, it scares people. But I, that's why there's no one sitting up here. Everybody moves to the stinking back. Because I've broke stuff and let go of the bat and hit people in the head and all kinds of stuff. But anyhow, I won't do that this morning. But in this picture in your mind, you're up to bat. It's the, it's the, it's the bottom of the ninth, and the bases are loaded. One out. And you are thinking in your mind, I'm... I'm going to be a big hero here. So you walk up to the plate. You take a couple of practice swings, and you're waiting, and you look at the third base coach, and he's wanting you, you're wanting him to give you the swing away sign, but he doesn't. I like to watch. There's probably third base coaches here. They're always doing crazy stuff, grabbing their elbow, licking their thumb, flipping their hat, twisting their ear. Anyhow, he gives you the sign to for a sacrifice fly. And it, and it bums you out because you're thinking, man, I've got a 350 batting average. What about all the triples? What about all the doubles? What about all the singles I've hit? What about all those RBIs? But you've got a choice. Are you going to listen to the coach or you're going to do what you want? It reminds me of a poem written in 1888 entitled Casey at the Bat by Ernest Lawrence Thayer. It proves that you can't always be the hero. And the whole game was on this one guy. And, and many of you remember this little. John Fogarty's going to sing a song for us. Let's, let's watch this.
takes a whole team to win. I know there's a lot of heroes in the sports world, but they can't always do it. It, it, it takes all their teammates to do that. We've been in Corinthians, and this is, this is what happened in this church, that they suffered from individualism. They viewed themselves as distinct, isolated players that the whole game was about them, and the whole universe actually surrounded them, and no, nobody else really mattered. So th there wasn't a lot of unity within the context of the body of Christ in that place, and Paul was addressing that issue, actually, giving this dugout talk about being one. Instead, it seems that the Corinthians did what they wanted when they wanted, and maybe some of us are like that as well. We don't see ourselves as part of the whole as the whole body. And we don't realize that the things that we do and say and the way we act affects the whole body. So when a member of Crossroads is doing something, it, 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 it affects all of us. Paul's position, position on this is this. So he's telling the Corinthians, God has spoken to your life, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and makes you a believer in Christ. So you have this tremendous amount of liberty, is what he, he was saying to them. But it seems like when, if there was any backward way to do something, the Corinthians found that they did it. Instead of taking this great freedom and, and using it for the body of Christ, it fed their own ego and they elevated themselves above every other believer, actually, that they thought that it was all about them. So Paul challenges them on this. And what he uses is his own status within the kingdom of God. In verse first part of verse 1, if anybody had um, more status in the body of Christ and the things that he'd went through, it was Paul. So Paul asked, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? If you know anything about Paul on the road to Emmaus, Jesus himself appeared to him and struck him down blind, if you know that whole story. So he had been in the context, face to face with Christ himself. So after listing his unique credentials, he continues, are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Now these believers in Corinth would have would have grasped that. They would have known it because if it were not for Paul, they would still be lost living in their own sin, doomed for hell, actually. That, that's what they owed Paul in that. So he reminds of, of his well-earned rights. Just in case someone might doubt his privilege as apostle, he lists several of them, verse 4 through 6. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? He's talking about this last right, which is full financial support from local churches. And he defends his claim by asking three rhetorical questions of verse 7. Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? He sharpens his point, then he goes in and he uses Moses, for example. What he's trying to say that even though it's his right for them to pay him and take care of him, he's refusing that. He's going to sacrifice that in his life to be the witness that God wants him to be in this instance. Verses 9 through 11. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while he's threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? 
Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we should reap material things from you? Verses 9 through 11. Paul is like the Old Testament priest. He is commissioned by God to preach the word just as priests were to be supported in their ministry by the people that they ministered to, actually. So Paul's mentioning this, and he's talking about the sacrifices that he made in his own life. Although Paul was fully entitled to exercise his rights, he chose to sacrifice them for the team's sake. It's admirable, but we wonder why Paul didn't, if they offered to pay him, why he didn't take that. William Barclay provides a possible answer, and I quote, while the ordinary Jewish family ate meat at the most once a week, the priests suffered from an occupational disease consequent on eating too much meat. Their privileges, the luxury of their lives, the rapacity were notorious. Paul knew all about this. He knew how they used religion as a means to grow fat. And he was determined that he would go to the other extreme and take nothing. Paul was trying to keep his integrity intact. Barclay goes on to say, In the last analysis, one thing dominated his conduct. He would do nothing that would bring discredit on the gospel or hinder it. Men judge a message by the life and character of the man who brings it. And Paul was determined that his hands would be clean. He would allow nothing in his life to contradict the message of his lips. Someone once said to a preacher, I cannot hear what you, are, you say for listening to what you are. No one could ever say that about Paul. He wanted to keep his witness. He wanted to keep that integrity intact. That when he preached and people saw him on the street and the way that he lived his life, they would see that he was a man of his word. And I agree that over the past few years, there's been a lot of clergy that has damaged that or darkened that name with all kinds of scandals and on and on and on. You see the point Paul's trying to make that you're not paying me to do this, but I am doing this as a sacrifice, and my integrity will bring me through. In pastor world, you live in a glass house, not literally, but it really is. And the old cliche is those that live glass houses don't throw rocks, but none the, fact, the, the fact is that you, you try to live your life in a way that, that people... Um, respect you. I want, I've said this a thousand times since I've been on this stage. Put Jesus on a pedestal because I'll fall off and I'll let you down. Maybe I'll let some of you down already. I apologize for that, but I'm human and that's, that, and, and that's the point behind that. That's why Paul didn't take money. He sacrificed that to be the man that God had called him to be. And even though he had the right to grab some glory from himself, he surrendered his gratification for the glory of Christ's team. Here's Paul's benefit in verse 18. What then is my reward that when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge so as to make full use of my right in the gospel? For Paul, this was reward enough. So let me ask you this morning as a believer, do you see yourself as just an individual or do you see yourself as part as the team. Because like I said, everything we say, everything we do, all of our actions, it reflects, it reflects the whole team. 
And in the same way as of, of, of carrying the weight and doing what God has called us to do in this world, in this community. Uh, and again, I repeat myself. I've been here 20 years, and you guys are probably tired of hearing me some, say some things. But the aura, the aura in this room this morning is unbelievable. Because everybody that's here, in some way, shape, or form, God has given you a talent. He's given you a gift to use for him. Could you imagine if all of us just did one thing and we did it well? That, and that's, that's the point that, that Paul is making for the Corinthians. And instead of just laying back and being the believer that they are, but they would get involved and do it for the team, you have a right to your liberty and to enjoy all that God has given you. But the issue is, are you willing to, to give up some of those rights for a chance to be what God has called you to be and, and to give up your time and your talent and your treasure, which is hard for us? Because a lot of times we're busy and we don't want to make that effort, make that sacrifice to reach out, so to speak. I believe many of us don't have really tight, close friends because we don't want to work at it. You got a good friend, it takes a lot of effort to do that. It takes your time, your, 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 all the effort that you have to keep that relationship going. So sometimes it's just as easy to be alone, actually, than it is to do that. And sometimes the world has a different way of looking at things that, at the church, and maybe even some other members in the church see it that way as we look at our lives. For instance, People will say, make a lot of money, save your money, become affluent. God says, give it away. You see the, di the difference in the philosophy there? There's, it's, it's a whole big difference. I hope people in the world watch that. Another thing is as far as leadership, I, I don't know if you're in any kind of leadership, whether it's in the church or whether it's out, but a lot of times people say, well, you're the boss. You need, to, you need to rule with an iron fist and take care of those things, and where... Jesus tells us through humility and gentleness should we lead. But each day you have that chance. Each day in life, you step up, you step up to that plate, and, and it's, your, it's your choice on what you do as the Holy Spirit, third base coach, gives you that signal. It, it, it's up to you whether you bunt, whether you swing away, whether you, you hit a sacrifice fly, or whether it's a lousy pitcher and you walk. But that, that's entirely up to you. And that is an everyday occurrence. When we put our feet on the floor out of bed every morning, that is what is in front of us. Will I serve God today or will I serve me? But sometimes God allows us to be the hero. Like in this clip, and this is an unbiased clip, but... This clip's for Mike Dean this morning. Let's, let's watch. On the inner half, or in off the plate a little bit. Here's a one-two. Cuts a win it. Peterson will go back on it. And he makes a catch. Caesar tags. Ball game over. Cubs win. Cubs win. That's what we're talking about right there. Those are the words we like to hear. One nothing. He sacrificed. Won the game. He didn't try to knock it out. He just knew that he had to get it in the air, and he did that. Look at him packing that guy. That's a pastor's dream that after a message, the crowd would mob them, put them on their shoulders, and carry them out. 
It's probably never going to happen. I'm too fat. But nonetheless, you know what I'm saying. Cubs are making a habit of this walk-off win. That was a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Guy gets up, third day's coach, gives him the sign, and boom, hits it out. If you ever plan on doing that, because some of you are kind of strange that way. If you take me out of here and drop me and hurt me, I will sue you. I just want you to know that. So <laughs> that'll keep you off of me, I guess. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we live in a stinking world. You get sued for having a nosebleed anymore. I don't know. It's crazy. What is the goal of the church? Why? Why are we here? Why? Why would we get up on a Sunday morning and not sleep in and, and come here? Well, one of the things is one of the, I think, draws us, like Paul said, there is some unity. There is some love here among us as a family. It might not be as strong as it should be, but nonetheless, it's in process. The church exists to make disciples and teach them. And it's to bring as many people along with us into heaven as we can. But also another important process that goes on or should go in within the, among the team members is to encourage, to strengthen, strengthen fellow team members, to build each other up. And when somebody's struggling, we kind of gather around them and just kind of empathize with them and try to love on them and bring them along. We are all messed up and we need God and each other to get through life. That's the true definition of the church to me. It is the body of Christ, but none of us here have arrived. We're all still sinners. I don't know if they're perfect. Paul said, For though I am free from all men, in verse 19, I have made myself a slave to all that I might win the more. That was his motivation. That's why he got into people's lives and got next to them that he might introduce them to Christ, then they'd have the choice to say, I don't want no part of God. I want to live my life totally for me. I don't want God in my life. I don't want any interference. I don't want to give my time, talent, and treasures. I just want to do what I want to do when I want it. But at least you've given somebody a chance to make that decision. And they've been told, you know, what, what's Crossroads' goals? They're on the bulletin every week. Our vision to help people seeking spiritual truth become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's the end result. And our mission, to impact this community, to make a difference, if you will, impact our culture, reproduce churches, and reproduce ourselves, and, and to build nations is what we're doing in Haiti. In verses 19 through 23, if there was a passage of Scripture that inspired me and helped gave direction here with all you other folks that's helped get crossroads going and staying afloat, if you will, and being somewhat successful within the confines of the church, Paul said this, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I voluntarily became a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. 
As we think about this, how we are in the church and what we are to be about, it's interesting. Paul gives us this picture, and I liken it to people on every base. So when we're up to bat as being a believer in the church, when we look out, there's people on first, second, and third, and they're waiting for us <laughs> to bring them on around and, and, and get them in home. Paul talks about this on, on first base is, is legalists in the church. Those believers who live under a rigid system of do's and don'ts. It's all about following the rules. They haven't yet grasped the liberty and the freedom that they have in Christ. To free them, we first may have to submit to their moral standard, as Paul explains. Verse 20. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win Jews to those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. Meaning, when he's hanging out with Jewish people, he probably doesn't eat sausage. <laughs> they don't eat pork. It's not kosher. So he wouldn't eat kosher. He would stay kosher because they were kosher, even though somebody just brought a big brat off the grill, smothered in onions and peppers. He's not going to eat that because these Jews that he's with would say that is not kosher, even though he wants to. Because of Paul's restraint, many under the law were brought above it to enjoy the full knowledge of Christ. Hanging out with those people, and Paul became like them in that sense, and it helped them see the light as far as the gospel. And also to win the Christian libertines, the freedom abusers stand on second. They use their Christian liberty in ways that dishonor God and hurt their teammates. It'd be like uh, an example would be somebody within the context of the church getting stumbling drunk somewhere and making a big scene in public. And people would say, doesn't that person go to crossroads? Right, wrong, or indifferent, I'm just saying. That's the way... Some people live their life. To correct them, Paul encourages mobility and method, but not in morals. He urges us to associate with these believers, not compromising our standards, but winning them over with love. Verse 21 says, When I am with the Gentiles who do not have the Jewish law, I fit in with them as much as I can. In this way, I gain their confidence and bring them to Christ but I do not discard the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. And then lastly, to win Christian babes, those waiting on third base are the spiritually immature. They are easily offended, and their tendency is to slip back into sin. It runs high. And more than anything else, they need followers of Christ to surround them, to show them how to live, to love them, so to speak, into the kingdom, to spend time with them. That, that is the point that he's making. And that's why, why he says in 23 and 23, to the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Paul wanted to be in on it. So as you look, the third day coach and the Holy Spirit gives you the sign, whatever that might be, do you do it? 
So a hush falls over the dugout. All eyes are on you. And the question is, has Paul's talk convinced you to sacrifice? So you got the bat and you're thinking and the umpire bellows, play ball. You're up. What do you do? Will you yield to your rights and with that ego pumping to swing for the fence and try to hit a home run? Or will you listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to your life? And as you do it for the team, as you think about it, you do it for the church, for Crossroads. Throughout 1 Corinthians, Paul has a lot to say about love, liberty, and unity. And the scripture clearly states that none of us are in this thing alone, but we have each other. And it's going to take us all to get to where we need to be. Because like I said before, you've all been gifted. You've all been, you've, you're all talented in something. And, and, and when we hang together and do that together for Christ, you see the big difference that it makes, that there's no lone rangers or individuality within the context of the kingdom. It doesn't work that way. So I ask you this morning, do you sense you're a team player? Do, are you using your gifts for God? You know, you can find those out in class 301. Or do you see yourself just as an individual who don't need a team? You don't need a team to achieve your goal to be a believer. You know, will you sacrifice for the church? That, that's just entirely up to you. As you look around in here this morning, can you actually say with all your heart that you love each other unconditionally? That you're that tight that anybody at your table or across the room or in the balcony could call today and need your help? Need your ear, would you give it to them? Do, do you sense that we have a tremendous amount of unity in here or not? I, I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know your mind. I don't know your heart. But, but that's really, that's what, what Paul's asking us this morning. You love, you love the team? Are, are you willing to... Give up a little bit of your own life or a little bit of your own time for the whole concept of, of the church as a whole. In my early life as a believer, I'd say pretty much every Sunday or every other Sunday, I was here. <laughs> this is a, a piece of wood and a carpet that Bill did a tremendous job making. There is no supernatural power in this wood. But what it is to me, it, 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 it's a symbol that this word's burdened, that I can bring this burden on my heart or, or this sin. And in my mind, when I lay that down here, I can I want to leave this here because Jesus is standing right here and he's going to pick this up and carry it for me. I don't know how you feel. A lot of times we, we don't want to come down here. I think maybe we're embarrassed or whatever, but I just wanted to tell you that this is always open for you to come and nobody will think anything about it. And somebody will pray with you and love you, show you how to know Jesus or help you pray for whatever that tremendous thing is that's Brought you down here, actually. 
And you can pray right where you sit. Always try to make that clear that you pray right, you can pray right where you sit. But nonetheless, the point is that you pray, that God speaks to us in different ways, and He said something to each one of you. Now, you might have ignored Him. You might have had your hands over your spiritual ears and you didn't want to hear it, but nonetheless, He has said something today, and it's up to you what you do with it. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us and for all that you do for us, God. It's, it's amazing, and I take you for granted. I think we probably all do to a degree. And sometimes the only time we really say anything or is when things aren't right. And then we really bring it to your attention in an expedient way. Lord, what's going on here? Things aren't right, so I'm, I'm, I'm asking for your help. But I know you want our attention 24-7. So right now, Father, I just pray that we, we love our church, that we love each other, that we love each other enough that we will sacrifice in our life to make this the church that you designed it to be. So right now, Father, if there be anybody here this morning that doesn't know you, uh, that needs to repent, whatever, that they might do it at this time, we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.